Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, I'm Ashley Lemieux, and I'm here to help you uncover the greatest power in your life. You! After going on my own healing journey, I realized I was looking for the wrong thing. A way out. But I didn't need a way out. What I really needed was a way in. To fully uncover who I am. Each week I'll be sharing tangible tools and inspiring interviews to help you create a clear pathway forward in areas of your life that you might feel stuck or overwhelmed in. I'm not here to be the expert on your life. You are. What I want is to help you believe that. So get ready to reframe your thoughts, reimagine your future, and reclaim your power. Are you ready? I am. Do you guys remember, oh man, it was around Mother's Day uh, this year, and you guys all teamed up and together re-raised over $118,000 for kids who are in foster care and who were really affected because of the pandemic. Well, I'm really excited today because it is Giving Tuesday and the founder of that organization called Austin Angels is here for an interview and we are gonna be talking about making changes and using what we are passionate about to impact the communities around us. And Susan Ramirez is like the superhero Angel, who just saw problems within the foster care system and has used everything that she has, all of her abilities, resources, time, love, talents, to create this amazing program um, to help walk alongside of kids in foster care and their caregivers. So Susan... Thank you so much for joining us today, and I just can't wait for everyone else to get more familiar with you and the work that you do. Well, I am so thankful to be here, and I'm so thankful for your community. This year for us has been, well, like so many, just so unprecedented. We uh, could never have imagined that this year would result in us serving so many more children and families than we could have ever expected. And uh, it is only because of the support that we got from you and your amazing community that we have been able to reach and serve more kids nationally than we had ever planned. So it's incredible. uh, The community that you have and the people that have showed up and so many of your people have continued with us, continued to support and sign up to volunteer in so many ways. So it's been it's been unbelievable. Yeah, this community has been so amazing, but it wouldn't be possible for us to show up for you if you hadn't created um, something that is just so powerful. And so for everyone who's listening right now, who's new and who hasn't heard about your organization yet and what it is that you're doing, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit and start there. And the first question I want to ask you is, why did you start National Angels? Yeah, so we actually started our organization in Austin, Texas, back in 2010, um, with a goal and a heart just for children to be 
able to experience foster care differently. And so for me, I don't believe, um, you know, for me personally, that I was called at the time to be a foster and adoptive parent, but I knew that I wanted to make a difference. And I'll tell you, Ashley, that so many people that I've talked to now across the country, you might have a wife who's like, I really want to do this, but my husband's not called to do this, you know, Um, but I want to make an impact. And so I wanted to create a way in which people could give back because people care deeply about the children in their own community. But if they're not called to foster, then what can they do? And so for me, I went to a conference in 2010 that just forever changed my life. And it was a foster and adoption conference and I was invited to go to it. And a judge had gotten up and spoke about just the horrific outcomes of what happens for children and families who experience foster care. And he had told a story about two little boys that had both entered into care at the age of two and they had both aged out at 18 years old. And you've heard me say this story before, Um, but it was the one moment in my life where I literally felt the weight of the world as if this was my burden to bear and needed to do something about it was because this judge had told the story about the two little boys they had gone in and out of his courtroom for 16 years. And he had listed all the psychotropic drugs that these children were placed on while in foster care and uh, how many moves both boys had been in and out of care uh, and had moved 23 different placements and 25 different times. And um, it's a real novelty for children to do well in school because every time a child moves, they're six months behind from an educational standpoint. So what we know through statistics is that children will move on average seven times. And I say that because I want you to consider and think about uh, just how hard it might be for a child to get picked up, to move to another community, a new mommy, a new daddy, a new school, new sets of friends if they even make them. And what happens is every time a child moves, it's just another failed placement and another sense of burden for that child that feels like, man, now they don't want me. And so when this judge had talked about these little boys in 16 years being in 22 and 25 different placements, it was really heavy. And he had talked about the one little boy on the left-hand side of the screen, no matter how many times he moved, he really did well in school. And there was a big movie that came out last year uh, with Mark Wahlberg. And did you watch that movie? It was like the foster care movie. Did I, you see that? I've heard it's great, Some but I haven't. Family. I haven't. So it's called Instant Family. And in the movie, they go to like a picnic area where they meet kids. And that's a real thing. And so in central Texas, uh, there were these things called picnics. And they would have these children um, come to these picnics if they were open and eligible for adoption. And so the little boy, uh, every year he would come, but he would never get chosen. And so one year he said, oh, I know what I can do. I can take my report card. I can take my report card and I can go up to all the mommies and daddies and say, look, choose me. I make good grades. Like I'm worthy of being loved. And for every parent that's out there, you know that no child should ever have to prove that they're worthy of being loved. Uh, But the little boy year after year would go and he'd take his report cards and he never got chosen. 
And fast forward, now he's 18 years old and he's living at a residential treatment center and he's about to age out of care. And the director comes to him and says, son, you have been adopted. And he says, what do you mean I've been adopted? And he says, you have been adopted and your father will be here soon to get you. And so the young man irons his shirt and he's standing on the footsteps of the home and the father comes to him and he says, son, I am sorry that it has taken me 18 years to find you, but you will never have to worry about where you go from here, that you are my son until the day that I die. And that young man moved in with him and they put him through school and then they put him through a seminary school and he grows up to create one of the largest foster and adoption agencies. And you hear that story and you say, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Even at 18 years old, there's hope and there's redemption. And the judge said, and the other boy on the other side of the screen who has the exact same amount of abuse and, and neglect and psychotropic meds and moves, he turns 18 years old, but there was nobody there to rescue him. And so he turns 18 and he just begins to walk out the direct uh, out, out of the home. He begins to walk until he can find the nearest freeway and he throws himself in front of an 18-wheeler and he commits suicide. And the judge says at that moment that not everybody's called to foster and not everybody's called to adopt, but everyone can play a role and make a difference in a child's life. And it was that moment where my whole trajectory, my whole life just changed. I felt as if this was now my burden to bear. And so we at Austin Angels started to really consider and think about really changing the way that children experience care. And so for three years, we would just do incredible things like service projects. We would make sure that every kid had a backpack and new school supplies and clothes and had what they needed in order to be successful. But the truth was, is that it was still fleeting. We weren't making a lasting impact and a change. And so in 2013, we actually piloted the program that what now we do all over the country. But in 2013, we worked with a single foster mom who was raising six teenage boys. And the program that we did was we just started to show up for them monthly. And we started to just love on these boys uh, that were in the home. And we loved on Mama Esther. And for anybody out there who's ever fostered knows just how extremely hard it is and how challenged. And so for us, it's our whole goal to reach and serve not only every single child in the foster care system across our country and on any given moment, that's about 430,000 children, but also how do we reach and serve every single family, every mom who decides to do this, every dad who decides to do this work, uh, and also the biological children or adopted children in the home, because when mom and dad decides to foster, the whole entire family decides to foster. So what we know is that if we can wrap community around these families and we can breathe life into these children who are suffering and, and we can equip them with every single resource that they need and we can help meet needs and we can provide respite care and we can love on these families so well, uh, then what we know through data now is that kids actually stay in placement longer. And if we can keep kids in placement longer, and they don't move seven times, well then we really truly believe that we can change the foster care system, uh, that we can, we can impact the amount of people that are in our prison system because there's stats that say 80% of our prison population spent time in foster care and 50% of our homeless population and the majority of our human traffic victims and our rising health care costs and 
all these things. It, it, and, you know, I think people think, oh, foster care, that it has nothing to do with me. But if you pay taxes in this country, it does have something to do with you. It costs our country $5 billion last year. And so we spend this money on an antiquated system that fails our families and children more than it does help them. And so for us, we're trying to totally eradicate. We're trying to rebuild a new system where Every child thrives and every family is supported and we use normal everyday people to make incredible change happen. And so we launched Austin Angels into National Angels in 2018 and in the last three years we've opened up and now have 22 chapters across the country. And actually, the goal is to open a chapter in every metropolitan city across our country because it's our goal to reach and serve every single child. Uh, and we won't stop until we get there. And so we need so much support. We need people like you, Ashley, that lends your platform and, and gives us space on podcasts and says, I believe in these kids. I believe in these families. And I believe it doesn't have to be this way. You've been an amazing champion for us and for the work. And, you know, earlier this year, you raised us $118,000. And every day when I come into my office, you know, we have that big sign up that I sent you and in honor of your kids. And that $118,000, like, I just get so emotional because it directly impacts so many children's lives. Like, and I get to see it every day. You don't get to see it, but I do. I see how real kids have an opportunity to attach and thrive. And I see families who get to say yes because of the support that we're able to give them. So it's, uh, it's unbelievable. I, uh, first of all, believe that you are going to have chapters open in every single city because you're the person who is needed for this job because you don't quit. And um, I'm just so proud of you. And and being able to watch you the past couple of years just really lead this organization and change so many kids' lives and so many caregivers' lives. I'm just so honored to be able to be your friend and to know you. Uh, something that I realized um, just because of our story, and if you're listening to my podcast or hearing my name for the first time ever and you have no idea any of my background, um, you can go back to the very first episode of this podcast and learn a little bit more because I'm not going to go into it here. But there was a time where our family was in the depths of the foster care system with no due to no choice of our own. It was not something that we signed up for. And uh, we were in court for a while fighting for our family to stay together after we had raised um, two kids via permanent guardianship for over half their lives. What I realized was that until you experience the foster care system, until you're in it or until you know somebody who's going through something, you do not know what it is like. You do not know. It's like you cannot comprehend the injustices that happen inside of this system that is failing a lot of people until you experience it. I started saying that I feel like it's one of the country's worst kept secrets and that 
we're failing so many of these kids. Um, like you have said, on average, if they're moving seven times to seven different homes with different caregivers, I mean, that alone right there causes so much trauma for a child and attachment issues and just so many things that um, they should never have to go through because these decisions aren't theirs and they're little. And, and it's people like us who I feel like have not only an opportunity, but, but kind of a responsibility to, to come along these vulnerable kids who have so much potential and future ahead of them and support them and wrap them up in love. And that's what you guys do. So I, I would love for you to tell us, um, about some of the families, whatever you can right now that you guys are serving, that you are really trying, um, to help raise some money for this holiday season. Yeah. So, you know, what I want for everyone to hear me say loud and clear is that, you know, foster care is a challenge system, but there is so much hope and there is so much beauty and there's so many incredible families who are doing the hard work. And so I want you to hear me say that it doesn't have to be this way. And, you know, you also just heard me say that we are building a new system uh, and we're building it for incredible people. And so I want to tell you a story of a few different of our kids and families and kind of paint the picture of what our program does and how it operates. So in the pilot program, I was placed with 16 age boys and I had uh, two little boys that really just uh, touched my heart. One little boy was named Jonathan, and Jonathan was going into the seventh grade. And um, Jonathan had been in the foster care system his whole life, and he had been with Miss Esther for a few years. And when we started showing up in his life, he wouldn't even make eye contact with us. And Mama Esther, his foster mama, said, Susan, of all the boys who have been in my home, and I've had over 50 young men come through my home, uh, Jonathan has the worst case of abuse and neglect of any of my boys. And so it took us months just for him to look at us. Didn't understand why we were there, and we knew that it was his dream and desire to make the football team. And uh, that year, we had gotten him a brand new backpack and school supplies. And in the front pocket of his backpack, we had like this Dr. Seuss quote on a card. And I don't even remember what it said, but we said, Jonathan, we want you to put this on your poster board bed. And every morning when you wake up, we want you to read it out loud to yourself. And we just want you to know that we're really cheering you on and rooting you on. And he wanted to make the football team, but he never made a passing grade before. So we just kept encouraging him and showing up. And at six weeks progress report card time, Mama Esther called me and she said, Susan, you're never going to believe this. But the young man who has no self-esteem, who's never made a good grade a day in his life, just brought his progress report card home with straight A's. And he said, Mama, 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 I, I just am so excited because for the first time in my life, somebody believes in me and I didn't want to make a liar out of them. And so this young man was able not only to mm -hmm. have 
self-worth enough to believe that he's worthy of making good grades, uh, but that he could control that. He could control how much he was able to really focus and study, and it was such a powerful story. And anyways, he made the football team, and uh, our organization, what we do is we don't just empower those children. We also help pay for extracurricular activities uh, like the football uniform and cleats and balls and all the things that he needed in order to be successful. And then in addition to that, we were there every Saturday for games. And, um, and so our organization is set out to help children change the way they experience care, but also to give them the ability for normalcy and for extracurricular activities. Uh, and in the same household, we had a little boy named Ryan and Ryan was turning 14 years old and it was his birthday. And when Ryan got home from school that day, he had a huge love box filled with a whole bunch of goodies. And he got home and when he opened it up, the balloons came outside the box and he got a whole bunch of things in the box and he called me and he said, Miss Susan, I was so excited to get home from school today because for the first time in my life, someone was celebrating my birthday. And so for us, you know, we talk about um, just the normalcy of getting to experience little simple things like birthdays. And when he hung up the phone, he said, I'm so thankful and I love you. And I said, oh, I love you too, Ryan. And a few minutes later, my phone rings and Mama Esther calls me and she says, Susan, I don't want that to be lost on you. That young man has been in my home for years and I have never heard him say the words, I love you. And so for us, our programming is so little about the things that we're able to give to the children financially. It's more about the emotional support. So for us, there's such a need. Um, just here in Austin alone, we have a wait list of 500 children who are waiting to get matched and into our program. And so for us, what we're doing right now is we're trying to raise money so we can pull these children off of our wait list and get them into our program. And every child who's in our program, we focus on three areas of impact through this Love Box program. Intentional giving is the first area. What that means is we meet the practical needs of children uh, and families. So that might look like, well, you know, right now it's Christmas time. So we want to make sure that every kid gets what they want for Christmas. But then in January, that means new coats and making sure that children have what they need. Uh, and then in February, that means Valentine's. And in March, giving them the opportunity to do spring break type activities. And it never ends. That's a cool thing about our program is that once a child gets into our program, they are at a minimum in our program for an entire year. But we have so many families who've been supported for three, four, five years. And the hope is that we create relational permanency for these children and these families. And so it's intentional giving, it's relationship building, and it's mentorship. And so you talked about your journey, Ashley. It would look like if we were walking alongside your family when your kids left, uh, left your placement, it would also look like that love box leader being able to to be the conduit between you and then bio family. Because oftentimes when children are removed, you've got this heartache from these foster parents who have cared so deeply 
and now all of a sudden you've had them in your home for years and you don't get to talk to them or speak to them. You don't know about their well-being. Maybe you want to give them something, but you can't. And so love box leaders also then go and wrap love and support and programming around biological families in hopes that it's a stable placement so that kids don't come back into care. Um, and so our whole reason why we exist is to create relational permanency so that every child and every family who's fostering has a network of people who's caring for them deeply. And it would look like being there with you when you're in court, when you're in there battling, when you're on your bathroom floor crying because you're losing your kids or being there to help celebrate birthdays or showing up at Christmas time. Like we say to our volunteers, like we want you to love on these families like it is your job truly loving them. Like I have a mom that I sponsor and support. If you have maybe seen it, Ashley, on my Instagram, I, I'm always, um, I have these two twins, these two newborn twins that this single foster mom cares yes. for. And I go over there and I, I just rock these babies and just love on these babies. And I love this mom. Like she's a sister to me. Like I literally love her. And I texted her this week and I said, how you doing mama? Like, what can I get you? How can I help you this week? And I said, I'm, I'm going to do a, a grocery run. What do you need? And she was like, laundry soap? I'm like, perfect. I'm bringing you laundry soap. And it's little things like that that's like, I know you're exhausted. I know you're tired. Let me come rock these babies and bring you laundry soap. Like that's enough for her to continue in the hard work of being a foster parent. So that's our program. I love that what you said is that there's so much hope and you, Susan and your team, you guys are like the light bearers of this hope when it feels so lost for these families and these kids sometimes. And you're like this huge, warm, angelic hug that comes in and just says, we see you and we're here with you. And we're going to stand right here with you for as long as we need to, so that you have the support that you need and together we're going to get through this and and that is the thing that will and is transforming the foster care system um and i know that there's so many people who are listening to this right now who maybe were are in your same boat where they're like i want to get involved being a foster parent isn't for me or it's not for me right now, so what can I do? And and this organization that you've built provides a place for people to come and support. And you guys, right now, as we're leading into the holidays, um, this is like a huge time where people in the system, where caregivers, where kids, they're needing our love. They're needing our support. And especially because of the pandemic this year, I know that you guys aren't having your big gala that is usually around this time that provides a huge amount of funding for your year so that you can run your program so that you can support these families. And um, I know that today, December 1st, kicks off a really important few days for you. So Susan, how can we help spread hope with you. 
Yeah, so today's Giving Tuesday, which is a global day of giving. It's when uh, everybody kind of supports their favorite charities. And so you can go to nationalangels.org and you can make a donation today. And um, our gala that we host in Austin um, gives us about 30% of our overall budget. And that goes to programming to make sure that we have enough funds to be able to serve these children and families like they deserve. So now more than ever with the pandemic, we have done more emergent funding than we ever have. In fact, our uh, here in Central Texas, our referrals are up by 2,000%. So we have been meeting tons wow. of needs this year. Can you explain why that is? Yeah, so it, it's very complicated, but I will just, at kind of the highest level, Families who are taking in kids who are great placements, who are unbelievable caretakers, they might have lost their job. Um, they might be down on their mm -hmm. luck for, for, you know, cut their hours, whatever. And now all of a sudden caring for a kid that is not their own might feel like an extra burden that they just can't take on. And we know so many of our families who are at home with multiple children who are trying to do homeschooling and virtual learning, like it's just becoming too much for people. And so what we know is that families who have lost their jobs, they don't have the ability to go and stand in food lines for hours on end with young children in the middle of a pandemic. And so, you know, we're getting so many requests of like, can you just help us buy groceries? And I'm like, if us buying groceries helps kids prevents kids from moving then yes like last week we literally got a call ashley that said um we have seven infants that have just been born where we don't have a place for them oh wow like there's no open there's no open placements for them and so there's such a shortage of foster families. And so for us, we're like, if we can meet groceries or, hey, if we will if we will commit to making sure that you have formula and diapers every single week, will you take this child in? And they're like, yes. Or if we can help pay for preschool uh, for your kid to go off to school, will that allow you to say yes or keep fostering? And so for us, our referrals are skyrocketing with needs and support. Or, you know, someone saying, hey, hey, you know what, I will take this child in, but I need a bed for them. Like, okay, we can buy mattresses. We can buy kids snacks. We can do all of those things. So um, it's unbelievable the amount. So what happens is with all of the requests that have come in, we now have 500 kids who are waiting to get in our monthly love box program. So it doesn't matter where you are in the country. And you that's can just in Austin. Children. That's just in Austin. Yeah. And the reason I'm talking about Austin, because that's our headquarters. So we have 22 chapters across the country right now yeah. um, who are doing the exact same programming. But you heard me say earlier that it is our goal to reach and serve every single child. So maybe you've listened to this podcast and you're like, okay, I'm going to make a donation and that's great, but I feel like I want to do more and I'm in an area where there's not a chapter. You can go on to nationalangels.org and learn more about opening a chapter in your city. Um, and I would say a good way that you know that you're being called to this is if you listen to this podcast and you go to our website and you start following us on social media and you can't stop thinking about this work, then that's probably a telltale sign that you need to look and investigate maybe bringing a chapter to your city.
And can I just add right here, y'all? I just said y'all because Susan lives in Texas, so I just felt like that was appropriate <laughs> right now. Phoenix, Arizona does not have a chapter yet. I am dying for there to be a National Angels chapter here in Phoenix so that I can be heavily involved in it. So if you are listening to this and you are in the greater Phoenix area and you feel a call, I'm just going to tell you to go look at the website. I'll, the website uh, to get involved is going to be in the show notes, so you can hop down there. Um, but I am, I am ready for Phoenix to help light this up because there is such a need here, and I'm just, I'm just dying <laughs> for some people to come together um, and do this. So that's, that's one option is to start a chapter locally in your city and then donations. What kind of donations are you hoping for right now? I know monetary donations are just uh, huge. Where do they go yes. to do that? Yeah, so they can visit nationalangels.org and they can make a donation directly on our website. And you can also follow us on all the social media channels and we'll have the link in the bio where you can donate as well. And then if you want to get plugged in and you want to help change a family's life, also on the website, we have listed, if you just scroll down, you'll see every single chapter that's listed. And I want to encourage you to click on the local chapter where you are and get plugged in locally. Let's do this, guys. We raised $118,000 earlier this year, and I just, I just know that we can um, make some families and some kids feel really, really, really loved on this holiday season. So uh, make sure you tag us. I would love for you to tag me um, when you go and donate or you go and join a chapter in your area because when you share it on social media too, especially right now for Giving Tuesday, I feel like a lot of people want to donate for Giving Tuesday but don't necessarily w know where to go or how to do that. So now you get to go help be that spreader of hope and, and help make a change for these kids by using your platform uh, to share where you're giving today. And um, Susan, you're the woman. Thank you for the work that you do. I know that it's exhausting. I know the amount of work and time you put into it is just, I, like, I truly am speechless. And the world is so lucky that you are leading us right now. So we're going to keep showing up for you, with you, for these kids, for as long as we can, as long as you'll have us, we're, we're here cheering you on. Um, and before we end today, is there anything else that you want to say to anyone who's listening? Yeah. You know, what I learned to be so true through your community, Ashley, is that the one, three, five, ten dollar donation amount. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you're saying that. Yeah, it adds up in a way that, I, I mean, I we I should repost on Giving Tuesday. I'm going to repost the video of when you told me that it was 118,000. So, if you don't know, Ashley did not tell me the amount. She raised the money for three days, and then we did a FaceTime, 
And I like lost my mind. I could not believe how many people were donating and how when people come together, it all adds up. So it doesn't matter how much you have to give. If you've got $3 to give, I'm telling you, you know, Ashley has a massive following. And so if everybody gave what they could, like we literally could pull every single child off of our wait list just by your community. So I just want to encourage you um, that any amount goes a long way. Well, and when we raised that $118,000 before, most of the donations were between $1 and $5. And I kept getting messages that said, I, I wish I had more, but I only have a dollar and I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh my gosh, do not apologize. Thank you. It is literally those $1 that changed so many kids and families' lives this year. So that's all that we're saying right now. Um, and I call it holy money because I believe that when there is just great good intention behind this money, that when we give what we can, somehow it goes all the way <laughs> because of the the holy dollars and love that's behind it. Um, and then miracles happen. So that's what's happening now. All those one, three and $5 donations bought beds and bought bikes and bought food and bought snacks and bought clothes. And so the one, three and $5 donation with every single other person who's donating that turns into something like I had said earlier to you, Ashley, like you don't directly get to see it unless you're watching everything we're doing on social, which we try to put as much of it on there as possible. But when you get to see a kid's face, get a bicycle, you know, because of the one, three and five dollar mm-hmm. donations, like it's it's impactful and and you are creating impact in a child's life, no matter what the amount is. So thank you to you and to your entire community who continues to inspire me in ways that I am just so thankful for, so incredibly grateful for, for you and for your friendship and for Mike and for your family. And it's unbelievable. And I just love you so much. Love you too, Susan. Thank you, everyone who has listened um, to this today. And it's Given Tuesday, so... Here's here's where we're going to go spread hope today. Go to uh, the link that is in our show notes and let's go light up uh, Austin Angels with a lot of love and support. Love you guys and I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the I Am Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from you online. So if there's something that really resonated with you, come and let me know. Share a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at Ashley K. Lemieux so I can see what's impacting you the most. It might even help your friends. And remember, every time you ask yourself, am I really strong enough to do this? The answer is, I am. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.